fleeting glimpses of things seen through a veil darkly. Do we understand the meaning of these visions of life? Why we are here and how little of our existence we truly understand? Tonight we will talk of these things on The Other Side. Welcome to Ghost Insight. I am Jim Harold, and so glad to be with you once again. And we have a, a fine guest with us today. Now, she's actually been on our UFO Encounter program talking about her work on the Hudson Valley UFOs. But prior to that and continuing on, Linda Zimmerman is a ghost investigator and prolific. She's written over 20 books. She's a popular speaker and has made numerous appearances on television and radio. And it's very interesting because Linda has a scientific background, and I always find that interesting. She has a BS in chemistry and a master's in English literature. And she has wide-ranging interests. She worked as a research scientist throughout the 1980s, and after that she decided to pursue her real passion, writing. So, Linda, welcome back, and so glad to have you on Ghost Insight to talk about ghosts. Uh, thank you. One of my favorite topics. <laughs> Well, I, I, that's, I think that's a good place to start. Now, when people see, oh, you had your BS in chemistry, you worked as a research scientist, um, you had your master's in English, how in the world did you get involved with ghost investigation? Well, it certainly wasn't anything I had planned. Um, I was giving a series of lectures on local history. I, I always enjoyed the history of, uh, well, all kinds of history, but my uh, history of southern New York in particular, and I would tell some old folk tales or perhaps an old Indian legend, you know, just to spice up the lecture a little, and someone asked about ghost stories, then someone else asked about ghost stories, and uh, to be honest, at first, I, I guess I was a little indignant, you know, I'm giving a history lecture here, <laughs> um, but Somebody said, could you please tell a ghost story? And at the time, I knew a grand total of one ghost story. So I told it. And a few days later, I get a call from a, a local library. And this woman, she's almost whispering. She says, are you the ghost lady? And I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah, really? Where did you hear that? I hear you're giving a ghost lecture. It's like, no, I'm, I'm giving a history lecture. Well, I saw the writing on the wall. And so I said, well, let me start collecting ghost stories. And it just took off. It just exploded. Um, I, I didn't have to do anything. You know, I hear of a lot of groups who are trying to find places to investigate. I, people just started calling me. They'd actually put their their house keys in an envelope and send them to me. Can you please come and investigate my house? Um, it, it was just crazy. And I, I fell for it heart and soul uh, because going on an investigation is, is one of the most thrilling things you can, you can do. Why do you think we're so fascinated by the idea of ghosts? Well, Obviously, we're, we are all going to die someday. Uh, so what happens to us after we're dead is I, it has to be on everybody's mind at some point. And then I think also because it's so common. It's, it happens everywhere. You, you know, I think everybody knows at least one person who has a personal ghost story and 
you have to put together, even as a scientist, you know, we look at evidence and you put together this overwhelming body of evidence and say, okay, something, you have to admit something is going on. You don't have to think it's the spirit of a deceased person, but there is another realm out there that uh, really needs to be explored. Now, I'd like to talk to you about some of your favorite experiences. I mean, I'm sure you've seen a lot. And and from my understanding, when you go on a ghost investigation, if you're treating it seriously, it's a lot like fishing. You know, there's a lot of sitting on the river bank waiting for the fish to bite. And I assume that there's a lot of waiting around, waiting for something to happen. And quite frankly, sometimes nothing ever does. That's a good analogy. Um it can be it can be boring, but uh, a bad day of ghost investigating is still better than a good day of work. I guess <laughs> <laughs> to to extend your analogy. But uh, yes, a lot of the times we will be there, um, you know, set everything up, sit there in, with great anticipation, and nothing happens. And then you go home and you have hours of footage to review, and I, it's you know, it's like watching paint dry. Mm-hmm. Not nothing is happening, and there was a there was a place called uh, the Patchett House in the town of Montgomery, New York. We went twice, and nothing happened. But I said, you know, let's try it one more time, and it was like all hell broke loose. Uh, some of the biggest banging sounds, noises um, we had ever heard, and that was a thrilling night. But had we not stuck with it. Uh, we would have we would have missed this. So it's not like you see on TV where here we are. Here's the ghost hunting team. Um, the ghosts can now come out and give us the evidence we need. Uh, doesn't work that way. <laughs> what kind of tools do you use when you go out on an investigation? Uh, what do you take with you? Um. All, uh, from the moment I walk in a place, I have a digital recorder in my hand and I keep that going constantly because you never know what's going to happen. Often things happen before we get to set up, you know, our camcorders, the infrared cameras, all the meters. And I also like to constantly say, all right, it's 9.30 p.m., it's 10.30 p.m., just so I know where I am, what's happening at cert point. So it gives me the timeline especially since I then go back and write about these investigations. For me, it's, it's very critical to know what was happening when. Um, I started getting a lot of equipment, and I think I reached a point where it's like, wait a minute, there's so much technology and so much equipment, I'm paying more attention to the equipment and you know, watching monitors, then maybe I should just pay attention to to the surroundings so i still we will still set up you know camcorders and audio equipment and emf meters and motion detectors but i've kind of taken a step back from mm-hmm. all the equipment um i still maintain the best way to conduct an investigation is sit still be quiet and pay attention um, I like to become more personally involved now with an investigation. You know, you see some of these things where they have m- cameras set up all over the house and they spend the whole investigation in one room watching monitors. 
Uh, I think you're you're selling yourself short on something like that. Um, I think the the human senses are your best piece of equipment. Do you feel that you're just a quote normal person? who is interested in this and goes out and investigates it? Or do you feel that you have any kind of psychic or spiritual gifts? I, I think everybody has some level of, of psychic uh, or intuitive abilities, whatever you want to call it. I've had some, I've had my moments where things have come to me and I've been correct. Um, but I am not a psychic per se. There's a woman, uh, Barbara Blitzhofer that comes with us and she's remarkable. She sees things, gets names. Um, she's a true psychic in that sense. But the more you do investigating, it's like riding a bicycle. The better you get at it, um, you're sharpening your your intuitive skills. So, um, yeah, I've had some very interesting moments, but that's um, I- I'm not a psychic in that sense. Do you believe any place, um, and the reason I ask this is somewhat selfish, um, since we had our last um, discussion, you and I, I've had two very close losses in my family. Oh, sorry. And it occurred to me, you know, I think about this stuff all the time because it's my job, and then I'm thinking about it even more these days. Do you think, and I do feel this, but I don't know if it's more psychological or not, when somebody has passed... When you're at their home or a place that was very close to them, do you believe that they maintain some kind of presence there in most cases? Uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. And I have a rather startling example of that. Um, a couple of months ago, my husband's mother passed away. And at the funeral, they played one song. Um, uh, I, the title, uh, Let the Circle Be Unbroken. I don't yes. know if you're familiar. Oh, yes, absolutely. Okay. And it's a very repetitive song. You know, they just repeat that phrase over and over again. It was very emotional. Every, you know, he and his sisters were holding hands around the casket, and I'm kind of getting choked up even thinking of it. Well, the next week, I'm on an, an investigation in another county, uh, another, you know, part of the state, and Barbara is with us. We're, we're at a library of all places, and all of a sudden, she points at me and she says, I keep hearing the song, Let the Circle Be Unbroken, repeating again and again. And the woman is telling me, you'll understand what that means. Wow. Wow. Yes. I'm, I'm covered in goosebumps as I'm telling you this. I'm all choked up. I, I literally staggered backward as if I was hit with an energy burst. And I, 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 you know, you can intellectually or emotionally believe in such things but until something like that happens right you you, it's it was just startling it was one of the most intense moments and i i i I absolutely understand it so you know i told the family members and everything because i think that's an absolutely wonderful thing she was aware at her own funeral what was going on she was aware that I'm on this ghost investigation. This is what I do. So she knew she could use Barbara to get that message to me. And you realize all the implications of that. You could write a book just on that one 
<laughs> right? That one incident. And that to me was one of the greatest confirmations ever. Yes, they, they are aware. Um, they're still watching out for us. They still care about us. And when they can, they get that message across. Not everybody has somebody like Barbara, but I'm sure you're aware there are sometimes subtle, subtle yep. clues. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was funny. My uh, dad was going through um, some stuff, and uh, he had a guitar, and he picked up the, the guitar, and in the case was an artificial rose. Mm-hmm. And my dad always, uh, my dad enjoys roses. And the funny thing I thought was is that uh, he said, "Did you put that flower in there?" And I said, "No." <laughs> and I said, uh, "And I said, did you?" And he said, "No." And again, it could be it could have fallen in there because there were some flowers over by the side on the table, so somehow it could have gotten in there. But I thought that was a very kind of odd thing, you know. And I do believe, and I have a story in my my campfire book, and I've uh, talked about my campfire program where we tell ghost stories and so forth about my brother and hearing a particular song on the radio, which was very obscure, and I heard it uh, shortly following his funeral. So I do believe those things happen, and I believe they're many times are called after-death communications, and it's not always somebody hitting you over the head with something and saying, hey, I'm here, but these little subtle clues saying, I'm here, and uh, I'm going to always be with you, and I do believe those things happen. What are some of the, what are some of the more eerie things that have happened to you while you're on an investigation, something that really kind of made your heart jump into your throat? Uh, there's been one or two of those, yes. Um, one of the most frightening, I was at the um, Shanley Hotel in Napanock, New York, and it was um, a restaurant and was involved in the bootlegging trade, you know, back during Prohibition. And as part of his illegal practice, uh, Mr. Shanley had a hidden room under a coat closet. And the owners didn't even know it existed. They, they owned the place for a year before they found this trap door. And it's this small little room. And I was down inside of it. And my, my ghost hunting partner, uh, Detective Mike Warden, was he's like, this, this feels horrible down here. Just very uncomfortable. He climbs out. It's very difficult to extract yourself from this room into the coat closet as I'm trying to get out behind him honest to God it felt like somebody grabbed my legs and was trying to pull me back down into the room and I can't pull myself out because he's in the way and I'm I was I was near panic I was ready I had made a fist I was ready to start slugging him to get him out of the way so and fortunately he moved and I pulled myself out but my legs were tingling for at least an hour later and I felt I really felt violated um because it's one thing to hear something you know banging in the next room but to be physically touched like that was was absolutely terrifying and again I, I have the goosebumps just just thinking of that episode but but I'm sure that's the type of thing that went on if you were brought to the secret room it, it was probably for some reason of violence do you think when you run across spirits or entities or ghosts whatever you want to call them in places do you think those are lost or trapped souls in some way i think every ghost has some unresolved issue 
Uh, years ago when I was doing a show, someone asked me what was behind these hauntings. So I took, I just took a list of a hundred cases that I had worked on. And I believe it was 65 or 75 percent were, had a suicide involved. Oh and that, and then there are murders and sudden deaths or, or it could be something benign like a woman lived 93 years in the same house and she doesn't want to move on. You know, that's still her home. She can't break away from that. But to, to use an analogy, it's like we all go to the airport. Some of us get on planes and, and, you know, go to places and some of us are just stuck in that airport. You know, did, oh boy, should I leave? Did I leave the iron on at home? Uh, did, you know, right. there, there's something, um, some emotional hook or, or traumatic experience. Um, I don't subscribe to the idea of the happy ghost. Because I hope there are better places for us all to move on to than the, the attic of the home we lived in. Or, you know, it just seems to be, to me, something unfulfilled that's keeping them there. And I do just want to make a brief distinction between ghost and spirit. Um, like my mother-in-law coming to give that message. That, I think, is just a wonderful spiritual encounter it's not like somebody trapped in their former home um, for an emotional reason. So, right. so that to me is a distinction. So ghosts are – they are stuck for some, some unresolved issue. I've heard some people say that they believe that sometimes ghosts are people who don't realize that they're dead, perhaps through something like a suicide or a sudden unexpected death. What are your yeah. thoughts on that? There have been a few cases where I worked on where, um, for example, there's a house, uh, an old Victorian house where a pair of uh, sisters lived um, after their husband died. They lived there the rest of their lives. And the one, um, the one figure that is seen is kind of a short, stocky woman in a, in a beige blouse. I thought, well, that's a strange way to be seen after death. But that turned out to be her favorite blouse. And one day... One of the occupants came out of her room and there was this figure in the beige blouse coming down the stairs and the woman looked at the ghost and was scared and the ghost looked at the woman and had this absolutely astonished look on her face and took off. It was like the ghost was startled. Who is this in my house? And I've heard other such incidences and to me, I think they are just still living out their lives and don't as as you said they don't realize they're dead and when that you know that little gap between worlds uh comes together there and they see the world of the living in the place they they once occupied it's it as startling to them as it is to us if someone is interested, uh, and again, sometimes I hesitate to ask this question because sometimes I believe that people see things on TV and they want to dress in a black T-shirt and go run around a house with a, you know, with a, <laughs> with a camera right. and just be silly, for lack of a better term. But if somebody's seriously interested in getting into ghost investigation, uh, what is your advice? Um, I would take it as seriously as possible. It's 
it's like a scientific experiment. It's not a party atmosphere. Um, try to, you know, try to find some place to investigate. Obviously, there are places open to the public, public land. Start with something like that. Um, and keep the, I know everybody wants to run out and get a whole big group. Keep it small, less people, less distraction, um, people you can trust. Again, you don't need to spend thousands of dollars of equipment. Get a good digital camera, um, audio recorder, camcorder, all very affordable. Or just sit there and, and pay attention and, you know, keep notes. Um, and as we were speaking about before, because you go to a place and nothing happens the first five hours you're there doesn't mean the next time you're there something isn't going to happen in the first five minutes. Um, it's an investigation. Take it seriously. Do it as scientifically as possible and have a lot of patience and have a lot of respect for where you are and what you're doing as well. I'd be interested in your thoughts on EVP, what it represents. Is it legitimate? Um, your experiences with it, because I've always found that one of the more interesting areas of ghost investigation. What are your thoughts on EVP? Um, I do believe it's a legitimate uh, phenomena. Um, a lot of things I hear, though, are so open to interpretation. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've listened to an EVP and I get nothing out of it but garbled sound and people read, oh, my name is John, I died in 1823. I'm like, really? Really? <laughs> but then there are some EVPs that are loud and clear and distinct. Um, one of the best ones I ever got was in the uh, Ulster County Jail, which was empty at the time, but I recorded a voice whispering the name Sarah. Very spooky. You can you can go to my website and find it um, under Volume 8 Highlights. And just listening to it still gives me the chills. It wasn't for at least another month that we found out what the connection could be. Um, a man who was a, a corrections officer working on that cell block in the 1970s had escorted a man um, who unfortunately had done terrible things to a girl named Sarah and he was on the phone begging for forgiveness, went back to his cell and hung himself. And Sarah was really the last word on his lips and that was where I had recorded this very spooky whispering voice saying Sarah. So... It wasn't anything we could have fabricated. We didn't know the story until we tracked down this corrections officer a month later. So um, it can be incredibly powerful evidence. Uh, again, I would just caution people, don't try to read too much into, you know, I'm sure you've heard a million sounds and pops and clicks and and it's very tempting to try to assign meaning to it, but sometimes a garbled sound is just a garbled sound. And there is a certain amount of, uh, I think that while 
I think some of the EVPs that I've heard have been very compelling. There's also the possibility, and this goes to things like reverse speech and so forth, the idea that you hear what you want to hear. And so I think you have to be very careful and very discerning. Right. Uh, Linda, I'd like you, if you could, uh, we certainly want to find out where people can find all your books and all of your information, and we'll ask you that at the close of the show. But uh, leading up to that, could you share maybe one special story, one that really resonated with you? It could be a, a warm and fuzzy one. It could be just the opposite, just one that stands out over your years of research. Well, um, yeah, I think I'd like to go warm and fuzzy, if that's all right. We like warm and fuzzy. <laughs> there was a, a wonderful man in his 90s named Alan. Um, and his, he had lost his wife of, of over 50 years. And he was telling me that certain things were going on in his house. And, you know, a lot of people can immediately think, oh, he's old, he's hallucinating. But he had other people living with him that corroborated this. Um, for example, there was a radio that was playing certain songs from the 1940s from when he first met his, his wife. And they were like, well, why is that playing? And somebody living there went to turn off the radio. It was not even plugged in. <laughs> I like that one. Uh, right? Um, she used to love to cook for him. And she was always baking something and they would go into the kitchen in the morning and her flour scoop would be sitting on the countertop with a little flour there. Now, the flour container, you have to you have to lift up, pull out, you know, you would have to lift out the foot. So there's no way this thing could be on the counter unless something moved that scoop. And that happened quite frequently. And I interviewed at least half a dozen people who witnessed that. So there were just all these little reminders that I'm still here and I'm still looking out for you. And go. I went to his house many times and you just felt this warm, wonderful, loving presence there. So maybe I wouldn't even call that a ghost except that it was, you know, so many different uh, experiences over, over the years. And and to me, it was just a wonderful, loving reminder that people we care about are, are still with us. And uh, so that was probably one of the warmest and fuzziest. And I just love this man. I, I, I told my husband, if, if he was 50 years younger, you'd be in trouble. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got to say, I think it is when, when we think of the area of paranormal investigations we always think uh, spooky and scary and frightening and while well, that's certainly part of it and frankly part of the appeal of it because people like to be scared and tell a good campfire story i think there's also a side of it like that one that i think can be very reassuring and confirming to people i know having recently gone through it sounds like you've gone through it we all go through it right. that when we get these messages back uh, they really do mean something Absolutely. There's a lot more to this than just coincidence. Um, just pay attention to everything that goes on around you. And I, I think everyone would be surprised how many signs there actually are. Well, we want to pay attention to the work you're doing, Linda Zimmerman. So where can people go to find out more? Uh, where's your website? Where can they find your books? And what's your, what's your latest project that you, you think people might want to know about? Well, uh, if they go to ghostinvestigator.com, 
Um, there's a lot of highlights and photos there, a list of books, my, uh, my full schedule of events. Uh, the books are available there or they're, all of them are available on Amazon, um, every ebook format known to mankind. <laughs> um, and the current project I'm working on is actually Ghost Investigator, Investigator Volume 11. Um, and that should be out by the fall. I have a couple of in pretty interesting investigations lined up over the next couple of weeks. If you are interested in places you can actually go and visit for yourself, I have a book called America's Historic Haunts, which lists um, historic sites, bed and breakfast, restaurants across the country in all 50 states that have ghost stories and that, you know, again, are open to the public. And I also have one um, for uh, the Hudson Valley itself. It's a list of 42 different places just in the Hudson Valley. Uh, Hudson Valley haunts historic driving tours. And it's great for families. They, they actually visit historic sites and learn something and maybe have a ghostly encounter. So it's all still ongoing with me. If people have stories they want to share, they can get in touch with me through ghostinvestigator.com. Excellent. Well, Linda Zimmerman, thank you so much for joining us today on Ghost Insight. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And thank you for tuning in. We hope that you're enjoying this program. We know that we are, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye, everybody. (laughs) 